Do you want to be seen as a compelling expert in your client's eyes? On today's episode, I'm chatting with Christina Frey. Christina is a marketing consultant who helps brilliant mission-based entrepreneurs position themselves as an authority and attract dream clients in a way that feels natural for them. Her secret? She has five marketing archetypes that can help reveal the marketing strategies that will work best for you. Hi there, I'm Isabel Kateman and I run Stripe Dog Creative, a website strategy and design firm dedicated to helping service-based entrepreneurs create strategic and elegant websites so they can attract their dream clients, raise their prices, and scale their businesses. I'm so excited to have you here for the Mind Reading Marketing Podcast. Tune in each week to hear practical business advice, tips on embracing and learning from failure, trust me, it's going to happen, and real talk on trying to create a balanced life as an entrepreneur for my guest experts and of course, from me. Ready to turn those dreams into a reality? Let's do it. Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks, Isabel. Good to be here. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you do in your business and how you got started. Sure. So I'm a branding and marketing expert and my company is called Innate Marketing Genius. I help people get great clients by being who they actually are. (laughs) And that's my uh, signature offering is called the compelling expert. And I can say, I can talk about that forever, but yeah. So that's what I do. I help usually service-based businesses like coaches and real estate agents and people like that to really find their voice and then translate that into marketing, which then translates into clients. I love that. And so I know in your business, you talk a lot about simplifying marketing. Talk to me a little bit about why you think it's so important for business owners to simplify their marketing. So I don't know if there's a day that goes by where I'm not, I don't know, inspired to do another strategy or someone is going on and on about how great Pinterest is for this reason or this other thing. Where It's almost like marketing has a natural expansive quality like there's always another way to reach people and you want to, who doesn't want that? So it's this, like, I just see an ongoing challenge to rein it in. And so the danger of scattering and trying everything is that you're not really settling down and creating solid, innovative, authentic messaging and strategy choices, making choices so that you get out there as a solid expert and consistently do that so that people trust you and actually hire you. You got to give your marketing a chance to actually change lives that doesn't come without focus. I love that. And so you talk a lot about becoming a compelling expert. Talk to me about why it's so important for a business owner, especially as they're growing and scaling to position themselves as an expert in their vertical. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to be a compelling expert? Like I've actually talked to people who were a little bit overwhelmed by that prospect, but I still think they would love to be that if they believed in themselves enough. So a compelling expert, what that means to me is that when somebody shows up and shares their stuff, that it's, wow, like it helps you make a better decision, whether it's to work with them or not right? They're leaning in, they're acting like a leader. They, they're taking a stand on everyone's behalf and they show themselves to be credible. They know their stuff. So that's the expert part. 
Yeah. I mean, that's what we're going for is like, you're helping people make great decisions. You're showing yourself at your best. And then you're also building credibility around your expertise. Yeah. And so, you know, this online space is such a crowded space at this point that kind of no matter what vertical you're in, there's a million other people doing it. So how do you help your clients find what's going to make them unique, but also works for them to kind of talk to and then allows them to actually fill that expert role in that very particular niche? My way of getting at that is something I call your marketing archetype. And what that means is what is the way that you show up, not just in your work, but just as a human, where you are on your game, on fire, maybe, you know, just like totally in the flow of serving others, but also having fun yourself. What does that look like? I've been studying that for years. What I find is every single person has that. Entrepreneurs have the gift of being able to live that out in their work if they so choose. And I know how to translate that. I'll give you an example. Let's say you are a master of ceremonies archetype. That's not a standard one. It's just something that when I first started studying this, one of my peeps was a master of ceremonies. She was a real estate agent. And, you know, so we want her. She's got big energy. What do you do with that? You're not going to sit there talking about your expertise for 10 years. Nobody wants that from a master of ceremonies. They want some way for her to shine, bring people together a little bit hard during COVID, but it can happen. And just, she is somebody who brings out the bigness and greatness in other people around her. So whatever happens, her messaging needs to be around that and her strategy decisions need to be around that, i.e. events and, you know, just big splashes. So, cause if she's in her lane, everybody wins. That's how she stands out. Yeah. That's so interesting. And so I know you have all of these kind of different archetypes that you've come up with through studying different kind of personalities and the way that it works for people. Walk us through those. I think every time you talk about this and I see you speak somewhere, I find this to be so fascinating. So I'd love for you to just kind of walk <laughs> through, you know, the different archetypes and how you came up with them and then what like the major traits are for each one. Sure. So I did discover that there are five really solid categories. And so if you take my assessment, I have a free assessment on my website, just go to innatemarketinggenius.com slash assessment. And in five minutes, you'll know what yours is. So you might be a nurturer. Nurturers are ones who love to make it safe for other people to thrive. Adventure guides. How do you know you're an adventure guide? Because you see what's possible, like the big stuff for other people way before they do. And you empower them by going for your own big stuff. Like you got to live by example. That's adventure guides. Then you've got door openers. You might be a door opener if you have 50 ideas in your head at any given time. It's a little bit tough to focus, but what you really are is a natural educator and amazing problem solver. So your deal is how do you bring your innovation without overwhelming people? And then uh, steady presences is the fourth You might be a steady presence if you absolutely hate marketing (laughs) because you tend to be the one that leans back and lets people come to you and you have a deep treasure trove of expertise, resources, you know, network, all that stuff. And like your job is just to geek out in front of people. And then the last category is a celebrator. So celebrators are the ones who in any situation, they want to make it life-giving, colorful, fun, like they've got their own natural flair. They want to bring the good life, you know, completely different energy. So those are the five categories. 
Yeah, that's amazing. And so how did you come up with those? Like, what was the nexus for kind of deciding like as a marketer and as a coach in order to help people, I want to come up with these personality types. And I think that that will, you know, end up helping my clients and speaking to them. So I did two really important field studies for my work. Number one, I was actually going down a personal development track where I thought I was going to be focusing on mindset. I've done marketing for 20 years, you know, Silicon Valley, all kinds of companies, but I also have been doing personal development forever. So like, you know, I've always kind of go back and forth between those two lanes anyway. So I did this field study where 40 people in five countries studied this mindset tool that I created. It's called the generosity practice. And the business owners came back to me and said, Hey, when we do this practice, we are so much more consistent and bold and generous when we get out there and market ourselves. I mean, these are people who couldn't stand marketing and they suddenly found their mojo by doing this practice. And it's all about like, how can you have this contribution mindset? How can you fall in love with helping other people? Even if lots of people reject you, right? Like it's a great thing to be in that mindset. Anyway, so I basically said, I need to do another field study. I need to talk to or work with 40 more entrepreneurs or business owners and figure out, is there a way to translate this contribution mindset thing into a laser-focused way of being that helps them generate everything else? And I know I'm packing a lot into that language, but what I'm saying is if I could figure out their archetype, their generosity archetype, I call it your marketing archetype. Really, it's a generosity archetype. Like, what's your favorite way of helping people? That's really what we're talking about here. And then, so I did that for 40 business owners. And I found every time I did it, I translated into a messaging easily and then strategy decisions. It was so much easier to make their marketing plan after we figured out the archetype. So, what I discovered was after working with 40 people, And seeing all the archetypes, I suddenly realized, oh my gosh, there are five really strong categories here. Maybe it would be helpful to have people just take an assessment and figure out which one they are just to get them on the path. And so that's what I've done. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think that's really smart because I think it's really helpful for people to fit themselves into a category. Like as much as we want to feel unique, it's nice to know that there are other people whose brains kind of work the same way that ours do. And who's kind of, you know, marketing, you know, way kind of works the same way as we do. And I think that's really helpful. And so I absolutely love that you did that. Do you find that there are certain archetypes that are more popular than others? What I find is that actually, no, although I tend to encounter a lot of nurturers and celebrators, I don't know why that is. (laughs) But what people struggle with is, hey, what if I have a little bit of each of these archetypes in me? Like I get that question every single time I do my talk. And I'm here to tell you, yes, you might have all five of them in you. We all do. But here's why this matters. Marketing, like we talked about in the beginning, is innately expansive and therefore scattering. So if you need to focus and decide, what do I want to lead with? What do I want to really sink into and put invest my time in? I want to make that decision easy for you. And the way to do that is just, okay, I'm a nurturer. So therefore, let's start with that. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And so when you're working with different people, talk me through a little bit like what that would look like for each of those categories. Like, you know, if you know, for example, that you're a nurturer, like 
are there certain platforms that you should be on or a certain way that you should be talking to people? I think it would be really interesting to kind of hear about the five different ones and how they differ. Yes, I actually, (laughs) I wish it could be that straightforward. (laughs) So what I've noticed, I'll just explain to you how I work with individuals. So the whole category system came from people's very unique archetype. You know, so for example, like for you, do you remember which category you are? I think I was a door opener. Okay. So if we were to work together, I would probably just throw that out the window. Here's why. Because I have this powerful guided process where I help you find your deepest archetype. So for example, and that's really helpful if, yes, you say you're a door opener, you resonate with that, you're happy with that. But what if you also have a little bit of celebrator in you and a little bit of venture guide in you? And you're like, well, how do I really access that in the most authentic way? Well, if I take you through this deep process, then you're going to find your unique and personalized archetype. Like that's my work with every client I work with. And then it's almost like, well, this is who I am at the deepest part of myself. And you won't even care about the categories. Like the categories is step one. And let's also be honest, assessments are so helpful to start, you know, start somebody on that, like thinking like, oh, I need to decide how I love to help people or how I don't love to help people, which by the way, is really hard. But when it really comes down to it, assessments are fallible. And even if you get door opener on your, like, I don't know, I mean, it's kind of like the Enneagram, right? People take Enneagram assessments and it's like, yeah, you probably should talk to an Enneagram consultant and really figure it out deeply who you truly are. This is pretty similar to that. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense too. Cause I feel like oftentimes when you're filling those things out, there's like a gut answer, but then there's almost like a second guessing answer, or sometimes you're between two answers, or sometimes you feel like you're moving in a certain direction or you want to be moving in a certain direction. So you answer that. Whereas if somebody were to really kind of talk it out with you in a conversation, they'd get a lot more information than you just kind of having to pick from like a multiple choice or drop down answer. I mean, in fairness to your question, I have observed a few trends and I'll just, you know, just to kind of address the actual question. So for example, celebrators tend to do well with events you could probably connect those dots, right? Like they just want to be around people to, you know, share the flair, right? Then steady presences tend to be the ones who want to geek out in long articles. I'm here to give you a big fat permission slip. If you're a steady presence, please don't worry about overwhelming us or going on too long. We love your geekiness. We don't even care if we understand it. We just love that you do. (laughs) Door openers are all about innovation. So figure out some kind of, I don't know, like if you're going to go to a trade show or an exhibit or something like exposition, I should say, make sure that it's like a cutting edge one, one that's talking about a new future or something like that. Like you just want to go down the innovation lane and then adventure guides. One thing I say to adventure guides, I don't have a particular, like you should do this, but content wise, we don't care about your expertise. Like no one cares. What we love is what is possible if we work with you. So don't sit there thinking you have to tell, like if you're a life coach, I really just don't need to hear about all your, you know, your methods and the thinking behind it and all the books you read, like that might be good for a steady presence, but 
tell me what would open up. What am I not seeing that you see? I'm going to listen to that with you all day long. And then nurtures, I'm a nurturer, so I should know this one, but honestly, nurtures, what is something that's common? Like maybe talks only because nurtures are really good at helping the people in the room feel comfortable. So like, if you're going to get up and speak, take pride in that. Like you're helping people calm down about whatever subject matter you're going to address and then go tell your stories, you know, just tell your success stories and you're good to go. (laughs) I'll just leave it at that. But yeah, every single person I work with, is like, there's seven basic strategy areas, but everyone has their own very unique one that shows them at their best. So that definitely makes a lot of sense. And so in terms of the transformation that your clients see, like if somebody comes to work with you and let's say they hate marketing and they haven't really been doing it, but they want to grow their business. They want to become an expert, but you know, they're not super big on public speaking or they don't post on social. What is like the mindset shift and the transformation that you kind of work them through for that? So as a human, you have the capacity to close your eyes, go within and contemplate something that you would love to offer a person, a group, the world that capacity, right? Like if you close your eyes or you don't even have to close your eyes, you're just sort of focusing on this thing. Like what if the answer to that could be anything. And, you know, I'm talking things like you could start small. Like I'd love to give everyone a warm mug of soup or something like on a very cold day, like that's nice. Then you can take it up a notch and say, well, you know, my friend has been struggling with money. Wouldn't it be great to pay down her mortgage? Like that could be a, what if, wouldn't that be fun? And then the next thing, you know, you can go wider. Like I would love to, I always think of this one. I would love to resolve all student debt for our entire country. Like you could go that big. And then the last level I would say is what is the thing that's really calling? This is sort of the advanced level of this practice. It's like, if you close your eyes and you get out of your own way and you let yourself step into the unknown, like there's something that has your name on it. You just have to be quiet and listen, and it's going to knock your socks off if you let it, especially if you practice this enough. And it's a vulnerable thing too. A lot of people just, you know, I still get tears when I do the, it's like, oh my God, I could give that really. Also, it gets a little weird sometimes. Like if you really get out of your own way, just like with any creative practice, like weird things come in. (laughs) So it's fun too and wacky, but anyway, What I find, like I started there with what I just described to you. I was like, okay, it does feel good to think about this stuff, but so what, you know? And it turns out there are 21 things that happen when you feel the way you might've felt when I just painted that picture for you. Things like I'm a better decision maker. I can say no more easily. You know, I don't really care about rejection as much. I know who I should really be helping. And I can say no to those that are not my people. Things like all these things happen when you just think about like, oh my God, I would love to help people in this particular way. I would love to offer this thing to the world or to this person. Or It just takes you up three notches. And even if your last email campaign got like a 2% open rate, (laughs) you just don't care because you've got this inner energy that's like, well, what's next? How else could I serve? How else could I, right? So it's really helping you. It helps nourish you. It helps 
energize you so you can keep going and keep inspiring others. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think that's great. Like when you're really focused on kind of an end goal, you become a lot less worried about like the little things, like the last Instagram post that you did, you know, or your last reel, you did not getting enough views because you're very focused on kind of this much further out destination that you're trying to get to in this result that you're trying to have with the community. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. And so let's kind of tie this back into being an expert. Like when you've kind of found now this, you know, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to help people. You know, when you say being an expert, I sort of think of a few things, right? Like maybe writing a book, doing a TED talk, being a keynote speaker somewhere. Talk to me about how you define expert and are there are there sort of like, you know, let's say five things that people should do to be an expert or are there lots of different ways to kind of position yourself as an expert? Well, it's interesting because what I'm thinking about as you ask that question, Isabel, is that sometimes we need to go through a process to truly take ownership of our expertise. Yes, you got training. Yes, you have experience with clients, all that. But it's not maybe it's not until you sit down and write that book or you know churn out the series of articles or put together your signature talk that you make a lot of decisions that are like oh this is what i'm about this is the most powerful way and the most relevant information i have to help others so i would say that this kind of marketing asks you to own your expertise Interesting. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think each person, it sounds like you're doing a lot of work with kind of the individual and like what is going to work best for them and what is not going to work for them or what they're going to sort of shy away from or not have come naturally to them. Exactly. And so one example that I love to point to, and I mentioned this, I have like an online program called One Voice, One Strategy. And I talk about this gal because she's a great example. She's a life coach, career coach who could talk about 50 things about how she helps people. And when she goes out and gives a talk, it's about silencing your inner critic. And she did not know that that was going to be your topic when we first started working together. But when we did work together, she realized that is the most powerful tool that she has offered every client and it's gotten the biggest results. So out of all the things she could have just, she has a lot of expertise, but that again, going through that process of like, what do I really want to lead with? Now she's known for that. Now it's right. It's just simple. Mm, Simple. That's nice. And so it sounds like too, when you work with clients, you're trying to sort of streamline into a few things that work for them. So it's not trying to get the TED talk and be the keynote speaker and write a book necessarily all at the same time. It's really like, if you're good at public speaking, that's what you should stick with. Or if you want to write a book, you should focus on writing that book. Is that accurate? Yeah. And it's, I would say a little bit further than just if you're good at public speaking, because honestly, I've had clients that I just had this sense, like it's time for you to stand up and speak in the community. And they were mildly terrified by that. Right? So <laughs> there is sort of a healthy edge there too, that I'm always aware of, like, what's your next healthy next step? But yes, one thing at a time, I would say it's not like you're never going to go and do other meaningful marketing vehicles. It just means if you're going to be a speaker, like spend some good time. I'm talking a year or maybe two where you have tested your talk enough, right? You've tested not just the talk, but your converting strategy. Like what do you do at the end? How do you bring people into the next step, which means meeting with you or whatever that is? 
right? And also, are you do you have a wide network of people that would bring you in to talk? Like, how's that going? Like, there's a lot of pieces to it. So yeah, it takes a year. Also, how do you track all the contacts you have? How do you stay consistent with your follow-up? Like, it's a whole way of life. I call it a marketing lifestyle. So give yourself a chance to like figure out your marketing lifestyle. Once you have those rolling in and it's way easier, then it might be time to do a series of SEO-friendly articles on your top categories of information or whatever. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, it's not one thing forever. It's just one thing at a time. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And it's funny. And you mentioned like slight fear. I feel like being an entrepreneur is always sort of being slightly terrified. (laughs) Like you're always kind of thinking like, I know I should do this and I know that this would benefit me, but I've never done it before. So I'm slightly terrified, but we're just going to close our eyes and jump off the edge of the cliff anyway. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I love that. So healthy. It's why I love hanging out with people who have their own business. Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely takes a certain personality type to kind of just keep a lot of resilience, a lot of, you know, failure and things getting messed up and things not going your way and kind of just pushing through and knowing that you have this ultimate end goal that you want to get to. And, you know, that just reminds me, I, this is a little bit off topic, but it's similar to what you're talking about. Like one thing I super admire and would love to do is like creative resilience. I just want to say that to be super open about what I'm working on. Like I love this stuff and I'm used to being you know, the person who gets out there and does her thing and yes, lots of rejection. And I'm okay with that. Like, I'm super okay with that. What I'm working on is creative projects, like whether it's writing or painting or whatever, for some reason that just feels unbelievably vulnerable. And I look at people like, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert and anyone else like that, even Brene Brown. And it's all about, yeah, put your stuff out there, go for it, share it. And no one's going to die. Like if you don't get much traction. So it's like, even if you have comfort with being rejected over here, it doesn't mean you're done with the whole rejection journey. (laughs) Yeah. A hundred percent. But I think what helps, and this is obviously a lot easier said than done, but I think what helps me whenever I put things out there is to try to separate like me from the business. So even though it's something that I've created or, you know, I've written or whatever it is, I'm really writing it for the business and for the benefit of either current clients or potential clients. And so if there, you know, is something that doesn't work or doesn't land, or, you know, I always try to kind of think about it as it's not a direct sort of like insult on me, or it's not a failure of me personally. It's just something that happened to not work for the business. It's not personal. It's a business decision and you move on. Yes. And business is a constant field study, just like marketing is a constant field study. You're always just trying things and then taking notes. (laughs) Yes. A hundred percent. I love that. I mean, I think all of this is so important. I love what you do with just kind of the different archetypes. I think it's so fascinating. And it's funny, you asked what mine was. And I think I probably saw you talk maybe a year ago at this point. So I took the quiz probably a while ago and I've definitely had so many mindset shifts since then. So as soon as we get off, I'm going to go take it again because I'm curious to see what it says. And I know it's not, you know, a hundred percent exactly who you are, but I'm just curious to see if it's evolved. Yeah. And I mean, again, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. The assessment is step one. And it's an important step one because there are 35 statements in there that ask you to be honest with yourself about how you love to help people. But it also asks you to be honest about how you don't love to help people. That's actually, I think that's hard, especially for service 
providers with a heart for service in general, like you just want to be everything to everyone. This is a nice step to be like, oh, that's not me. I'm not the one who wants to make everyone comfortable in a room, right? I'm not the one that feels impatient for other people to go for their big life goals. That's not me, right? You're probably not an adventure guide then. Like, thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Like, it's just good to know that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think I'm glad you brought that up because I think as you get further along in your business, as you start to scale, you start to grow, you start to bring on a team and you really kind of try to stay like a high level, like CEO level in your zone of genius, it becomes much easier and much clearer. I think when you're a new business owner, you're very eager to bend over backwards. You'll kind of take anything that you can get because you're just starting. But as you start to realize, oh, these types of clients I can't serve them, you know, in the best way, or they're not working for me in the best way, or, you know, however it is, as you evolve, I think it does become sort of easier and clearer to be like, yeah, that's just like not my style at all. And that's not working and that's okay. And like those types of clients should land on my website or, you know, come to my marketing and immediately understand like, yes, we are not a good fit. And that's sort of what you want. And then the right clients, as you start to kind of tweak that messaging and niche down and learn more about yourself and your business the right clients will automatically be drawn to you. So I think it's difficult and it definitely, definitely takes time. But I think as you get further and further in your business, it does become clearer, like what works for you, what doesn't, what you like doing, what you don't like doing. And that's why having coaches or consultants or even programs that you're a part of is so helpful at the beginning of your business. Like don't do it alone. You know, get somebody on board. Even if there are challenges along the way, like you've been doing business for a while, always, I just say, if I'm going to give you advice, I'm just going to say straight up, like go hire somebody or go do a program. There's no reason to be stuck. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm, I feel like all my podcasts end up here at the end. Like I'm such a big proponent of like always bringing someone on, no matter what level you're at. I feel like they always can seem like such a large expense, but then what you end up getting out of it on the back end ends up paying for the program or the coach or the whatever it is like tenfold. And also just the time that's saved, like time is money. You are, you know, you're your best resource. Time is so important. And when you're working with these people who've seen this a hundred times before and have worked with 10 people just like you, it's so helpful because they're getting you the answer super, super quick. And you're not having to spend time guessing and then fucking up and then guessing and then fucking up again. Yes. So as we wrap up this interview and you kind of just said it, but maybe you have different advice. If you could go back and tell your younger self when you were starting your business or maybe a year in any piece of advice that you wish someone had told you, what would it be? Hmm. Like, honestly, just keep going. (laughs) Like, just keep going. And the cool thing was that when I started all this, I was, you know, in the thick of my generosity practice work and it was I don't know if you've ever gone through a phase like this, Isabel, but for me, it was like I had found Mecca, you know, like the elixir of the gods had come down to me and I was on fire. And I didn't, for once in my life, I didn't care where the journey took me, just that I wanted to go on the journey at all. And I just got out of my head and got out there, got the help I needed, just talked to as many people as I could get my hands on. And anyone who would try my stuff, I was like, oh my God, let's do a program. Let's do a field study. Let's have people in, you know, it turned out to be five countries, 40 people doing this strange little practice and sending me little videos from their iPhones. Like it was awesome. And, you know, I just, I never found that 
I don't know, fortitude or adventurous spirit until I was on fire with this sort of contribution mindset. Like it's so hard to put language on it. It's so dorky to call it on the contribution mindset. It's the best freaking thing ever <laughs> to really like, oh my God, I love this. I love offering this to people. I love, you know, seeing the world in a way that it could be. And just that entire contemplation, just with your eyes closed, it just changes you. And then it changes you as you're in service to others. A lot of, I'll just say this, a lot of personal development practices are very much over here on your side of the fence where you're just like, I just want to feel good. I want to feel better. I want to live my best life. But what about when you have to go out and meet the world and it's going to punch you in the face? Are you up for it? So I say, whatever personal practice you have as a leader and a business owner, make sure it incorporates that joy of contribution. I got my thing. It's a generosity practice. I will mention, I just published a book about it. So if you go on Amazon, you can totally go get the book. Generosity practice, just check that out. But yeah, that's been a missing piece for me in a lot of like retreats and, you know, oh, I want to feel better and I want to meditate forever. It's like, but now you have to go live your life, hun. Is that, you know, is it preparing you? And the stuff I found with generosity practices, yes, it does prepare you. Yeah, no. And I think that makes a lot of sense. You remind me of another guest we had on Gigi Uboma, who was all about making sure that your business is something where you feel like you're giving back because it's so easy to be passionate about something for a very short period of time. But then that passion sort of wanes and it's sort of just was all about you. And it's very difficult to kind of keep up that momentum. But as soon as in your business, which is kind of what you're talking about, you are focused on how you're helping people and why it was important to you to help people and how you're giving back and how this is, you know, improving the world. The minute that you're coming at it from that place, it's so easy to keep going because you have this sort of like higher purpose that's motivating you. Yeah, totally. It's like a bigger flow. That's another, I like those words, a bigger flow, like tap into the bigger flow. Again, hard to really describe, but you know it if you're in it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That was a great answer. And I'm glad that you brought all of that up. So of course, we'll put everything that you mentioned, the you know the quiz that people can take, the assessment, and then also your book in the show notes. But if people would like to work with you, how can they get in touch with you? And we'll put this in the show notes as well. Yeah, sure. Innatemarketinggenius.com. And so I'll say that again, innate, like I-N-N, innatemarketinggenius.com. And then there's a big pink button if you want to chat. It's for a 30-minute discovery call. That's a good way to start. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was so much fun to chat with you. Yeah, great to be here, Isabel. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Mind Reading Marketing Podcast with yours truly, Isabel Caitlin. If you love the show, I would appreciate it if you could leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. I love hearing from all of you. Share it with a friend, family, colleague, or anyone you know who may benefit from this episode. Remember, you can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at stripedogcreative.com. All right, that's it for today. See you next time.